0: Yeah.
1: This is Pastor Jolly John Lukomsky coming to you from Northfield, Minnesota. And I have with me
0: Pastor Matt Youngblood-Clark coming to you from further south. Uh, It is summertime in St. Louis, uh, serving here at Ascension Lutheran in South City.
1: And this is Wrestling Wrestling with with the Basics. And this Matt, Matt. This is a special episode of Wrestling with the Basics, although, of course, all of our episodes are special. it okay, goes they,
0: saying, John. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is our Shareathon episode, and we want to thank the uh, uh, people there at KFU for allowing us to uh, to do our show on this special uh, Shareathon weekend. And, and Matt, why don't you tell people? Uh, uh, who who have turned tuned in here to listen to wrestling basics? What what is Shareathon all about?
0: Well, Shareathon is that uh, annual event with KFUO to uh, help to raise funds to support the mission and ministry of the radio station. Uh, usually, it takes. Uh, you know, usually a few days uh, worth of programming where the main focus is that sort of fundraising. But KFU is doing a little different this year, and I think it's a neat idea that uh, individual shows continue like Wrestling with the Basics. So we're still going to have our time in God's Word together this morning, uh, but also for individual shows and hosts to be able to talk a little bit about the importance of again, the the mission of KFUO Radio. So uh, KFUO, if you don't know, is listener supported. So when you tune into KFUO Radio, uh, you don't hear commercials, you don't hear corporate sponsorships or things like that. It is uh, listener supported, which means that uh, you, the listeners, are the ones who help to fund uh, that station and make its uh, outreach possible. so it's because of you uh, that Christ is brought to people, uh, Christ for you, Christ for others, Christ for the world. Uh, having to reach locally here in St. Louis where I'm at, but all the way up into Northfield, Minnesota, where John is, and uh, far beyond that, even uh, through uh, the capabilities of the internet as well.
1: Yeah, literally, literally around the world, we we have gotten emails from people in Germany, from people in Australia. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, and, and, and again, emphasizing the fact that, that no, if, if people don't donate, this show isn't going to be on the air. And that's kind of a scary thing. <laughs> maybe, maybe I shouldn't say that. People are probably going, oh, really? Do we want them to be on the air? <laughs> Easy as
0: that. Don't donate.
1: <laughs> well, I've, I've known that. Uh, um, so, so again, uh, just a reminder. I, I want to plug one particular uh, uh, way of donating. It's Because uh, we do this. My, my wife and I do this for our anniversary. Um, they have what they call day sponsorships. And, and you get to pick out a day. And you can do it to honor some event in your life, or you can do it to honor uh, a loved one on their birthday, anniversary, baptism, confirmation, graduation, whatever, uh, how special the day is. And it's only $480 a year, and that's uh, just $40 a month. And, of course, you you get to the uh, KFEO license plate frame, which I think is a new I think that's a new premium. I don't remember that from other years.
0: No, that's thinking- new. It, it is new. Um, and and I, I like what's on it. It's the, really the, the mission statement of KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Uh, and I love how that just summarizes things so succinctly, what KFUO is all about.
1: And and if all you wanted was the license plate, OK, that that's one hundred and twenty dollars at that level. You can get the license plate thing. But again, we're pushing we're pushing the day sponsorship at four hundred and eighty because you not only get that, but you get the KFuo T-shirt and, and go online there to org. Because they're really, really nice looking t-shirts. They didn't get our pictures on them this year. <laughs> I was hoping for that, that they could have that picture of you and I on the back, but somehow that deal fell through. I don't know why. But still, <laughs> they're still nice t-shirts, regardless. Uh, and I guess the only other thing we need to tell people is that uh, you can call one 800 730 2727 So it's one 800 730 2727. If you want to make your pledge to share 2020, or you can just go to uh, text KFUO to 41444. And so you can actually make a donation via text. That was 41444. Thank heavens it's not 666. I'm at <laughs>
0: I'm not bandy no, it's
1: 41444. <laughs> or it's even easier, just go on to kfuo.org and there's a button there that you can click to donate and uh, help help make uh, uh, programs like Wrestling with the Basics and other fine programs on KFEO continue to uh, be broadcast. Um, but let's actually talk about a reason why. <laughs> let's give people a reason why they might want to support KFEO, Uh because we want to pick up some of the things we talked about the last two weeks. Is that okay, Matt, with you?
0: Sounds good. Yeah, let's do that.
1: All right. So, So I was talking about the story of Zacchaeus. Uh, And I can't remember if that was last week or two weeks ago, Um, but I I forgot to make the really big point I wanted to make. I got all wrapped up in the fact that I, I believe the story of Zacchaeus is kind of a summary of the Gospel of Luke up to that point. Uh, And in my fascination with that, I forgot to tell people the really great thing about the story of Zacchaeus. So, Matt, if you could uh, begin, uh, just kind of remind us who Zacchaeus is. Read read Luke 19, verse uh, 1 and 2, if you would.
0: Okay. Jesus entered Jericho when he was passing through, and there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich.
1: So we talked about the fact that Luke is the Bible uh, book filled with stories about rich people. Uh, uh, Don't give us the line from Mary to start off with, but can you tell us some of the other rich men that are mentioned in Luke and what happens to them? I think that's the crucial thing.
0: Yeah, we've talked a little bit about the the person who stores up uh, his abundance of crops for himself and builds bigger barns. And yet his life that very night is demanded of it. You know, all of his wealth is for nothing. Uh, and then yeah, George,
1: G- George the farmer. Did you know that? That's what George. He has a name. I did not know that. Yes, it, did, it means farmer. Yeah. Okay. George
0: is good. Good Hebrew name, right? George. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, yes, like you said, build, builds the big barns, has the great harvest. And God says, you fool, <laughs> your soul is required of you tonight. What are the big barns and all the that money and wealth going to do you? All right, that's number one. Give us exactly. another story.
0: And I think we had talked about uh, the, the rich man of Lazarus. Wasn't that one we mentioned? Yes, there?
1: yes, yes, again, uh, from Luke.
0: Yeah, so so Jesus tells uh, the story about uh, this rich man who feasts sumptuously every day, and uh, Lazarus is the poor man who just eats the crumbs that fall from the, the table. And uh, the rich man uh, dies uh, and goes to hell. Uh, he dies apart from faith in Christ. Uh, the Lazarus, the poor man, he passes away and is carried to Abraham's side. Uh, and he's there in, in the presence of his of Savior.
1: So rich man, number one, he's got a lot of stuff here in this life. Doesn't do him any good. He's a fool. God says your soul is required of you. Rich man, number two, again, got a lot of things in this life. Well-blessed, and yet he just ends up going down to Hades. And then do you remember the third story, which, by the way, comes just just right before the story of Zacchaeus. Yeah, remember so that, that third rich man?
0: Yeah, that rich ruler, right, that asked Jesus, yes. uh, what do I need to do to, to have eternal life, right? And uh, Jesus answers him, you know what's in the commandments, right? He starts to list those off. And uh, the man claims, at least, I've, I've kept all these from my youth. Uh, and then Jesus tells him, well, one thing you still lack, uh, sell all that you have, distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come follow me. And then uh, when he hears that, Uh, the, the rich man departs and he's very sad and he goes away, which is a really sad (laughs) line in scripture. Uh, but, but he leaves, he chooses wealth ultimately over following Christ.
1: Yeah, and, and the scripture is quite clear. He leaves because he had so much, because he was a rich man. So, no, he wasn't willing to give that up for Jesus. Um And, and of course, all of these stories is actually a summary of what Mary told us at the very beginning of the Gospel of Luke. You're actually the one that quoted this uh, when we did this Bible study. Do you remember that passage? What does Mary say in his her great uh, uh, hymn of praise there at the beginning of Luke? Yeah, what happens to rich people?
0: Yeah, the Magnificat there in chapter one of Luke, uh, where she magnifies the Lord, and the uh, she says, uh, "Let's see here. Uh, He has brought down the mighty from their thrones, exalted those of humble estate. He's filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty."
1: Okay, so that's the whole point. He sends the way the rich empty, and we've seen three stories of exactly where that's happened. And so if you're reading the Gospel of Luke, and you read the story of Zacchaeus, who was not just a rich man, but he was a tax collector, so in other words, he not only was rich, but he got his riches through ill-gotten gain, <laughs> filthy lucre, as as they call it. And so you're already thinking, well, we know how this story is going to end. So Zacchaeus, of course, will be sent away empty. But if you wouldn't mind reading verse 5, uh, and I think go all the way to the end, if you don't mind.
0: Sure. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today." So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. and when they saw it, they all grumbled, He has gone into the he has gone to be the guest of a man who's a sinner
1: so apparently everyone else had been reading the Gospel of Luke, and they too thought, they You know, know Jesus, just reject, reject this rich man I don't know. I keep on reading."
0: Uh, and Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost.
1: All right. So all of a sudden you got the surprise ending. It doesn't go at all the way we thought it should go. In fact, Jesus is joyfully going to this man's house. Salvation comes to the house. He's also a son of Abraham, even though he was a rich man. Uh, and, and here's my question to you, Matt. So what's the difference? What's the difference in this last story from the previous three stories?
0: Yeah, I think the difference is uh, faith. Uh, he, yes. Yeah, the, he, Jesus calls Zacchaeus by name and uh, Zacchaeus in faith. Responds with this this faithful, uh, this faithful response with his money.
1: And and I'm glad you use the word faith because it gives me an opportunity to share with people what, why KFU is so important. Because I do not know that you're going to hear this message delivered in any other religious media. OK, there's a lot of other good religious programming out there and other stations and, and, and other places on the Internet. But I'm not so sure you're going to hear this taught as clearly as you will hear it taught over KFU. You said the difference is faith and we believe faith is Jesus. In fact, if you want to check out whether you really are getting faith right, ask yourself if you can substitute the word Jesus. And if you're using faith in some way that you can't just put the word Jesus in, in place there, then you're not really understanding faith because faith is all about Jesus. And that's the key thing here for the son of man. That is Jesus Christ came to seek and to save the lost. And if you look at those other stories, there is no Jesus there, is there? There is no Jesus in the rich farmer in his big, big barns. No Jesus there at all. There's no Jesus in the rich man who ends up going down to Hades. You know, uh, he wants someone to rise from the dead and go warn his brothers. But at that point, no, he doesn't know anything about Jesus. And the sad thing about the final rich man is that he's got Jesus right there in front of him. And Jesus has compassion on him. That's the cool thing in that text, too. It says that Jesus loves him. And yet he Walks away from Jesus. But when you put Jesus in there, and I love that passage, salvation has come to this house. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And that's just what I wanted to emphasize the last time we did this, that if there's anybody out there thinking that they don't have a chance to be saved, uh, maybe it's because they're rich. Maybe it's because they are sinners. Maybe it's because they are doubting and despairing. They just don't think, how could God love someone like them? And that's the whole point. Yes, God can love anyone, even a rich man. Even a rich man can get into heaven, even though it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle, Yet, yet a rich man can't get into heaven the way we all get into heaven, which is through Jesus Christ. So that was the one thing I wanted to pick up. Any comments you want to make about that, Matt?
0: No, I think that's a great point, John, because I think that sometimes we just consider that eye of the needle passage. um, And, oh, it's impossible for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. But here, you know, through Christ, we see in Zacchaeus' story. No, no, you know, in Christ, it is possible through faith in him. And in, Christ,
1: in Christ, it is possible for anyone. Exactly. That's the beautiful thing. And and that certainly is true for you and me and all of our listeners. All right, here's the second little tidbit I want to pick up. You talked to us about Lamentations. Yeah. So if, if if we could learn to Lamentations 1, Lamentations chapter 1. Yes. Give me a second here and I'll load yeah. it up on my computer. Yeah. Um, for
0: a good time, and- visit Lamentations.com. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, well, I wanted to refer you, you read for us verse 10 of chapter one, and there was a thought I had about it, uh, but I didn't get a chance to express it when we did this, oh, this okay, chapter. Good, good. So, if, so if you could reread Lamentations one, verse 10.
0: Sure. Uh, here we go. The enemy has stretched out his hands over all her precious things, for she has seen the nations enter her sanctuary those whom you forbade to enter your congregation.
1: All right, Matt, now you talked about that. What's this talking about? This is a prophecy. This is something that would happen. What's it talking about?
0: So, yeah, so just uh, some quick context. This is the the book of Lamentations is written uh, almost certainly by the prophet Jeremiah. So he's uh, that weeping prophet, as he's often called, uh, one that saw and even prophesied the destruction of uh, Jerusalem and the temple itself at the hands of the Babylonians. And so Lamentations is written after that fact. And so seeing what happened and what took place there, the atrocities that, that happened, um, Jeremiah writes this. And so verse 10, I think, is, is really dealing with some of what t- took place as the Babylonians came and took over.
1: So, so in this context, this is a horrible, terrible thing uh, because the Babylonians came and they, they did desecrate the temple. They destroyed the temple. Um, and by the way, this would happen over and over again too. I, I think you could say this is not just a prophecy of Babylon, but but uh, doesn't it happen during the inter the intertestament uh, period? Uh, oh man, who who uh, Antiochus Epiphanes wasn't yeah, that the yeah, guys yeah, thing?
0: Yeah, yeah, sacrifices a pig even in the temple and um, just you know purposely just to to desecrate it and to to really uh, make the Jews mad. And then of course. And what are,
1: Go ahead, Matt. And
0: then, I, you know, just to support what you're saying, John, you know, then later, of course, in 70 AD, the the temple's destroyed again. So, I mean, again and again, this is happening. And so when verse 10 is talking about uh, your congregation and the precious things, it's talking about the temple. Yeah.
1: And, and and I just wanted to say, too, in regards to Antiochus Epiphanes, what a waste of a pig. <laughs>
0: really? I, I what a waste of a
1: pig. You could have had bacon. <laughs> Shoot. Um, but here's the thought I had as you were reading this. As horrible as this prophecy is, this, this uh, the nations entering her sanctuary, those who you forbade to enter your congregation, and yet the irony is, this is exactly what God wanted to happen, and it's what God wanted to happen from the beginning. Uh, and that, of course, is why the terrible things happened to the Jews and to their temple, because they ignored the fact that God had said from the beginning he wanted all nations to to come to Him. He wanted all nations to pray to Him, that actually the job of the nation of Israel wasn't to exclude everybody else, but but they were to be the ones who would call to all the other nations and say, come. Uh, Ours is not just the Lord of Israel. He is the Lord of all creation. He is the one who has created all peoples. And of course, we got this beautiful teaching that, that Jesus uses to wrap up His ministry that we're supposed to make disciples of all nations. So I just thought it was interesting that this prophecy, which on one hand is a terrible, terrible law, it is a consequence and punishment of the fact that the Jews had started worshiping false gods rather than the true God who who uh, dwelt there in the temple. Uh, and, and it was also the... the uh, uh, the, the total neglect of the fact that God had wanted them to be the leaders in bringing all nations to worship the Lord, and in fact, all nations do enter His sanctuary now, and that's not a bad thing. That that's a good thing. So that was the other thought I had, Matt. Uh, any other comments that you might have about that?
0: Yeah, I think I think uh, those are great points. Um, as as Jeremiah's writing this, of course, what happens, the Babylonians take over. They're, they're God's instrument for uh, destruction, calling Israel to repentance. Uh, and then, even after that, then many folks, many of the Israelites, many of the people of Judah, are taken into Babylonian captivity. And then we have the whole book of Daniel. So really, you know, when you think of like Daniel and the lion's den and accounts like that, that's taking place within that context of the, the Babylonian captivity. And so even there, God is... Creating opportunities for His name to be proclaimed among the Gentile Babylonians, and it seems as though even some are perhaps brought to faith during that time when they see the great works that God does through Daniel, lions, and it's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, and how they're saved and the God delivers them. So, yeah, again and again, you see, a God is concerned, yep, for His people of Israel, no doubt about that, but also uh, for the other nations too, even. Uh, a nation as rotten as the Babylonians or as terrible as the people of Nineveh that he sends uh, Jonah to. Um, again and again, God has concern for, for all people. That's not just a New Testament theme uh, or not just something that, that God came up with later with Jesus. But no, that's from the beginning, uh, that concern for all nations.
1: And and again, I, I appreciate what you said there, Matt, because it goes back to Zacchaeus. See, we would look at people like that and say, "Oh, why would God want to save them?" That's what the Jews said too. But that's the whole point. God wants all men to be to repent and, and to live, and, and so we see that. Yeah. Which brings me to my my third little tidbit, uh, odds and end here, and we haven't talked about this before. But I just want to ask you real quickly, what about the word redemption? Matt, have you ever wrestled with the word redemption? What 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 are the nuances or things that you would teach people when you teach them about redemption? Sure, Because it's yeah. a word that's come up a couple of times in our Bible studies here at, at church.
0: Yeah, so that redemption uh, and that the idea of being uh, to redeem, to buy back, we might say, um, that we are redeemed, we're bought back from things like our own sin and the devil himself, uh, and that we're redeemed, we're bought back, uh, by the Redeemer, by Jesus Christ, uh, through His His precious blood shed on the cross.
1: So, so here's the thought that occurred to me about the word red- redemption. Um and, and and we've been using it in a context of of uh, uh the Egyptians and the Israelites, right? Moses uh he says you've been redeemed from the Egyptians. Uh and, and what occurred to me is that word works really well in a couple of senses, because if you read in the Bible, redemption is something that a kinsman is supposed to do for one of his family, right? So if one of your family members is taken off into slavery, it's your obligation as his kinsman to pay for his redemption. And certainly that works in the story of Moses and the Israelites, right? Uh, because that's the point. God, these are His people. The Israelites are His people. He's their kinsman, and so He has a responsibility to see that they are freed from slavery. Uh, the other nuance of the word redemption is, is that it. it uh, um, oh, now all of a sudden my mind went blank. <laughs> Just give me a second. Uh, um, uh, freedom from slavery—that's where it's often associated with, with with people who have been enslaved. So you you pay the redemption so they can be free from slavery. That certainly fits with the story of Moses and the Israelites uh, and slavery in Egypt. But the thing that struck me that doesn't fit is what you just said. The word redeem means to pay a price. And yet God doesn't pay any price, does he, to free them from slavery? You might argue the Egyptians pay a price with the death of their firstborn and with uh, the chariots of Pharaoh being uh, consumed in, in the waters of the Red Sea, drowned in the Red Sea. But I'm thinking God doesn't really pay a price. And so here's the final thought I had, Matt. I think the word redemption is pointing ahead to what happens in the New Testament. It's like we're supposed to read the word redemption and say, well, I see where that fits in terms of kinsmen, in terms of slavery, but there's no purchase price being paid. And that's because it's a prophetic word pointing ahead to what Jesus Christ would do to free us from the slavery of sin and of death, and the devil. And there a price was definitely paid, wasn't it, Matt? His uh, offering of his life on the cross. Well, we are out of time, Matt. Can you believe that?
0: That went by Uh, fast, yeah.
1: And and just real quick, if if one if you want to donate, please go to org. click on the donation button there, or you can call right now 1-800-730-2727 and, and make Wrestling with the Basics and all these other programs on KFUO Make them possible because they're only possible by your donations. Uh, this has been John Lukomsky and
0: Pastor Matt Clark, and this is... Wrestling with with the
1: Basics. Thank you very much.